want to welcome those of you who are here for the first time. Maybe you're here with family or maybe you just brought your family and it's the first time. Church, can we say how glad we are to have them with us? Thank you for joining us tonight on this special evening. If you're worshiping with us online, we want to welcome you as well. And our, our people already know this. Just so you know, this next Sunday, just in a couple of days, is what we're calling Sabbath Sunday. And so we want to encourage you to grab your family, same worship time, 930, 1130, and join us for an online experience. We will not have in-person. Uh, we'll come back in-person and online in January, January 2nd, and kick the year off in a great, great way. Come on, kids. How many are ready for Christmas? Yeah, yeah. It's good to have the children in here. Anybody Santa's nice list? Anybody's naughty list? And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm on the good list. Uh, we love Christmas. We love to celebrate. Somebody said, well, Pastor, is Santa real? Well, ask your parents. <laughs> Here's what I know. Jesus is real. And I know that we are here to celebrate his birth. And we're so grateful. If you think about... Santa and the gifts and all of that, it's so great, but gifts um, in today's environment, it's, we, we flippantly return and purchase and we don't know, you know, they like it, not like it. In fact, I was reading a study the, the other day, uh, they estimate $90 billion worth of gifts will be returned this year, $90 billion. So all that hustle and bustle that you're doing, they're probably going to return that gift that you're sweating so hard for. Um, in fact, UPS unofficially calls it a holiday. The National Returns Day is January 3rd. They estimate 1.5 million packages will be sent back um, because it didn't make that person happy. You know, but I think about the one gift we're not returning, and that's God's son, Jesus. Aren't you grateful for a good God that sent his one and only son to this earth so that we could, that's a good place to clap. Yeah, you're a little hesitant. That's, that's pretty good. It's the greatest gift ever given to humanity. And it's the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. Uh, if you've been around church at all, you're familiar with it. It says, on that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel assured them, look, don't be afraid. Fear not. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. And we know it's the birth of the Savior. You think about that good news. That's what the gospel is. You know, I'm always concerned when someone comes in contact with the gospel if there's not hope at the end, yes, we recognize that we are sinners, but the hope of the gospel is there is a way out. There is a Savior, and he willingly laid his life down. And for us, the great news is you'll never have to purchase salvation. Look, you're never going to be good enough. I want to encourage you. You know, we're in a heavy Catholic community, and I'm always cautious when someone says, well, I got to do enough good things to get to heaven. You're never going to tip the scales of eternity. Your good works are as filthy rags. The way we step into eternity with Jesus is through the free gift of salvation that comes from Jesus Christ and putting your trust in him to save you. And so we see the good news of the gospel, but I often think, listen, it says, we'll bring great joy. Great joy. Do you see a lot of joy in this season? 
I know we, we, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, all the songs and Christmas carols, joy to the world. But when I look around, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of joy. You know what I see? I see frustration. Anybody see stress? It's like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Sadness. I see a lot of sadness. I see a lot of division. I see a lot of isolation and loneliness, especially in the middle of this pandemic. We become so isolated and alone. And the question is, where is the great joy of the message of Christmas? It's elusive. And you wonder why. Why, why is joy the, really the centerpiece of what Jesus has come to bring? Why is it so elusive? I think it's because we've confused happiness with joy. So we're wanting joy, but we're pursuing happiness. Happiness and joy, they're not the same things. Happiness comes from without. Joy comes from within. Happiness depends on the external. Happiness happens to you. Joy happens in you. And so you're out there pursuing the next. We're out there trying to get everything and make everybody happy. Can I tell you, you're never going to make everybody happy. You're never going to please everybody. And so we're out there trying to do something that's really impossible to do anyway. And I don't know if you know this, but the root word of happiness, uh, the Latin for happy, actually means circumstance and luck. So in other words, if all the right things work out and if I'm lucky, then maybe I'll be happy. I don't know about you, but I don't want to try to make my life come around luck I don't want it to move everything and position everything just in hopes of I experience happiness. And look, happiness is a great feeling. You know, if you get a brand new car, how many know you're going to be happy, happy, happy? Anybody like, honey, see, I need that new car in my driveway. And you are. You get in there. If you ever had a brand new car, you got the new car smell. Come on. They even have a scent for you to put in your car so you can feel like it's a new car. Because it makes you feel happy until you get the payment and the bill. And you got to pay it. Now, how I many you know I'm not so happy? Now I'm strapped. And then what do you do? You go buy the next latest and greatest. And we put it on a card. And, and maybe you're single and you're looking for Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. And you're like, oh, they'll make me happy. They will for a little while. And then the real them will show up. And you may not be that happy. It's going to take work because that's what marriage is. Marriage is work. But the perception is if I get that, then I'll be happy. I can't tell you how many couples who we've been praying for them to get married and they come and talk to me, they get married, they're like, Pastor, I, the, the, one of the spouses comes up, Pastor, I think we missed it. We missed God because I'm going to kill them, right? So you were pursuing something thinking that that person or that thing could bring what you're searching for and the true thing you're searching for is joy. And you're willing to leverage everything regardless of the cost all in pursuit of Happiness reminds me of a little story I heard about a, a little boy named Johnny. Uh, Christmas was coming and approaching quickly, and Johnny goes to his mother and he demands that she get him a brand new bicycle. Well, his mother decided that he should take a look at himself and the way that he acts. So she says, look, little Johnny, we don't have money to go buy you a brand new bicycle just because it's Christmas. So here's what I want you to do. You go write a letter to Jesus and you pray. And let's do that instead. Well, he throws a temper tantrum. She sends him up to his room. Finally, Johnny sits down. He says, okay, I'm going to write Jesus a letter. So he writes Jesus a letter and this is what it said. Dear Jesus, 
I've been a good boy this year, and I would appreciate a bicycle. Your friend, little Johnny. <laughs> now, little Johnny knew Jesus, knew what kind of a boy he really was. He's a brat. So he rips up the letter, decides to give it another try, and this is what he wrote to Jesus. Dear Jesus, I've been an okay boy this year, and I want a new bicycle. Yours truly, little Johnny. Well, little Johnny knew that he still wasn't being totally honest, so he tears up the letter, and he's going to try it all over again. And here's what he says. Dear Jesus, I thought about being a good boy. Would you please give me a bicycle? Signed, little Johnny. <laughs> well, little Johnny, he goes deep inside of his heart, begins to think and ponder. And, whew, that's exactly what his mom wanted him to do. So he crumples up the letter. He throws it in the trash, and he goes running outside. He is aimlessly wandering about. He's depressed now because of the way he treated his parents, and that's what his mom wanted him to do, consider his actions. He finally finds himself right in front of a Catholic church. Little Johnny went inside. He knelt down. He's looking around, and he didn't know what he ought to do. So he gets up. He walks outside, and as he does, he sees some statues. All of a sudden, Johnny runs over, grabs one of the statues, runs out the door, goes to his house, puts it under the bed, and he writes this letter to Jesus. Jesus, I'm not a good boy. I shoot spit wads in school, I tease my little sister, and I don't listen to my parents. However, I'm desperate, and I've got your mama. And if you ever want to see her again, you better give me a bike. Signs, you know who. <laughs> you ever felt desperate? I think there are people that are desperate for joy. I think you're desperate for hope, desperate for peace. And the problem is, in joy, the enemy deceives us and says, look, you're going after joy, but I'm going to give you some happiness. And it's not the real thing. And we leverage everything for something that's not real. Look, joy is not found outside. It's found inside. And joy is an attitude of the heart, and it is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. If you're a believer, the Bible says that there is fruit that's produced in our life. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So think about this. If you are a believer, the Bible says that that is already inside of you. So someone says, I don't feel like loving people. Listen, no, I don't, I don't always do it either. Somebody feels like I don't feel any joy. Well, I don't always feel joy either. Somebody says, peace. Listen, anything that you might be missing as a believer, it's in your life. But it's fruit. And fruit doesn't grow by itself. It bursts from a tree. It comes from the tree. And so the, the more you cultivate the soil, the better you take care of what's inside. you got to work it. Then what happens? The fruit comes into your life. And so for each and every one of us, we don't go out there pursuing happiness. We choose joy. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to choose it. i got to focus on it. Just like I would choose love. I choose joy. So when things don't go right, you have, a, you have an opportunity now. You can smile and laugh it off, or you can get angry and pout. Come on, any powders in here? You just, my mom said I was a powder. I just pout, you know. 
And so, so I've been learning. Do I have it all figured out? I don't. But how many know that when you're asking God, God's going to give you the desire of your heart? And here's what we also know. Some of you have come in over leveraged in your life. You've done things pursuing what you thought would make you happy. And you're sitting here now realizing that's not the real thing. It's already within me. And if I will cultivate the fruit of God that's in me, then I'll have the joy that God has promised me. Choosing joy is a habit. It's a lifestyle. But it is a choice. And, and I found many times that even God helped me love. Help me. Did you know kindness is a fruit of the Spirit? Wouldn't you like to just see Christians be kind? Like, can you just be nice? It's, it's one of the reasons, you know, waiters don't like to work on Sundays. Because sometimes Christians are the mainest people. And then they're going to tip you with a track. I'm like, you go feed your family with that track. Why don't you go ahead and tip me real big? Here at Anchor Bend, we tip really well, 20% and more. Why? Because we understand how to be generous and to display the love of God to people. So I want to encourage you. God, what is it that you want to cultivate in my life? And then allow God to cultivate it. But tonight, specifically, we're talking about joy. I want to know joy. I want to feel joy. And did you know that joy can come in spite of grief? See, happiness can only come if everything's going right because it's external. But grief can happen, and yet you still feel the joy of the Lord inside of your heart. You can have a tough situation. You can have people that have done you wrong, and yet still walk in the joy of the Lord. And what I have found is that joy is what gives you hope. Some of you have felt very hopeless, and it's because you don't have the joy of the Lord. Yeah, but things are going bad. Yeah, yeah, but that's not, you're not pursuing happiness. You're cultivating joy. And so if I'll cultivate the joy, then I've got the hope of God in my life. Look at what Paul says. He's talking to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 7, 4. And he says this, and it's fantastic perspective for us. He says, even in this turbulence... Think about how many have felt like we're in some turbulent times. You wake up one day, there's this strand of COVID. Another day, there's another strand of COVID. Then another day, there's a, you're like, this ain't never going to end. So you're allowing fear to rob you of your joy. It's like, yeah, hey, I, I read a poem. C.S. Lewis wrote a poem, and he said at the very end of it, it's, it's very amazing. We're allowing something that's already been determined to rob us of what God wants to do right now. Live. Look, everybody's going to die. Can I tell you? You're going to die. It's not if we're going to die. It's when we die. But let's don't let the future rob us of the now. That God, I'm not going to let fear rob me of the joy that even in a turbulent time, look at what he says, I am at peace in all my affliction. I am overflowing with joy. Overflowing with joy. Boy, how many would love to overflow with joy? It's like, God, I just want to overflow with joy. Well, how does he do it? He's not looking at momentary situations. He's got an eye on eternity. We call that an eternal perspective. That God, things are tough now, but even if they don't get better, when I cross through to eternity, I get to spend eternity with you. And think about this. I often think, as bad as it is for me, somebody has it worse. Right now, my life is not going great. And it is for me now. But in my mind, if it's not going great, it's like, yes, that's no good. Yes, the air condition broke in my car. But thank God I got a car. Yes, it might have broke in the house. But thank God I got a house. And we begin to say, thank you, Jesus. And then we put an eye on eternity. 
and we realize that what I'm walking through is just light. It's momentary. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. I love this. Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. For even during a season of severe difficulty, tremendous suffering and extreme poverty, their superabundant joy overflowed. And then look at what it overflowed into, extravagant generosity. And you think about this. I know COVID hadn't been easy. I know people that have passed away. I've had friends pass away. But here's what I know. They are in eternity with Jesus. That in the midst of this sadness, my dad passed away last year. Look, in the midst of the sadness, it's the most interesting thing. It's a dichotomy of feelings that the great loss of a champion in my life and yet the joy of where he is right now. It's the beauty of what we get to hold on to as Christians. It's the joy that God promised us that would be in our life. Overflowed. What if we had a church full of people overflowing with joy? What if we had people that said, man, I don't know what they're doing over there, but everybody just seems happy. It's like they don't go through any problems. No, we go through problems, but we got an eye on eternity. We understand that God is in control and we choose joy. We're not going to get sidetracked with problems. Why? Because joy is a condition of the soul that's anchored to heaven. God, I thank you that my eternal salvation is secure. That God, no matter what I'm walking through, you are with me. Hebrews 12, 2, look at what Jesus said. He's speaking of Jesus, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Look at what he says. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Some of you have got some challenges, and I don't want to minimize it. Some of you are going home to a house that's empty because a loved one passed away. It's It's a challenge. Some of you are walking into a situation, you're going to have Christmas, and it's not going to be the whole family because there's been relational separation. Some of you lost your job, and you feel like, I don't have what it takes to provide a great Christmas for my family. So there's a suffering in each and every one of us at some level. But look at how Jesus, see, Jesus, we often think you're all God. Yeah, but he was all God, all man. Did you get that? Like, he's all God, but he was still all man. And so that's why it says he was the author and perfecter of our faith, because we can keep our eyes on Jesus and say, listen, he has felt everything that we feel, basically every situation we could ever experience. He has been through it. And the Bible says he now makes intercession for us at the right hand of God. And so here we see Jesus about to go to the cross, which if you're not even familiar with what the torture happens on a cross... Isaiah says that his visage is marred more than that of any other man. In other words, there has never been another person that was ripped up, torn up, destroyed physically like Jesus was. They say if you had looked at him, you wouldn't even have recognized him. There's no way. And yet look at what he says. Did he say, oh, I'm, I'm so excited to go to the cross. No, no, no. But he knew that was his mission. See, why was there joy? Because he knew the result of what he was walking through. Look, I can't take away the pain of the now, but I can give you the hope of tomorrow. Can't take away the suffering now, but God will give you the joy to walk through whatever you're walking through. But we have to choose joy. Everybody say, I choose joy. And then someone say, well, great. How do I get it? I want to choose it, but I don't even know how to get it. Well, I'm glad you asked. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy. Where? 
in your presence. So how do you find joy? It's in a relationship with God. It's in a relationship. You can't get something from him if you're not connected to him. So he wants you to stay connected. And you say, well, I wish he'd just give me one big deposit. Yeah, but if he did that, you would just wander away. That's why he's the vine. We're the branches. It's like we're, we're in it. It's like we're the branches. We're, we're connected. God, I'm connected. God, I'm staying connected. Why? Because I need joy today. I need joy tomorrow. I need joy the next day. So, God, I need to stay connected to you in your presence. It's where there's a realignment. That whatever I'm walking through, it's not too big for my God. If you think what you're walking through is too big, too great, and I've been there, listen, I've had moments where I'm like, I don't think I'd make it. I'm not sure I can get through this. The only thing that has ever got me through it was a realignment of my focus. See, as big as the sun is, and I don't have the stats because I wouldn't plan on saying this, it's unbelievable how big the sun is. When you study out the size of the star, but this little bitty thumb placed in the right spot can block out that great big sun. And I think some of you have got your problems right here. And we forget how big God is. Miracle working God, creator of heaven and earth, spoke. And I believe galaxies are still forming because of the words he said. That's your God. And not only is he a God out there, but he's a God in here. And he loves you. And that's what we celebrate. We don't celebrate some fat man trying to get down a chimney. We celebrate a Savior who died on a tree to give us relationship with Him. He loves you that much. But Father, I pray tonight, Lord, as some have come into this place and they haven't felt joy, they haven't felt hope, God, you brought him here right here, right now, just for this. Maybe you could just tell him, say, God, I just, I need you. Maybe, maybe it's not joy you need. Maybe you need hope. Maybe you need peace. Maybe you need strength in your body. You've had a bad diagnosis. and I know a God whose word is greater than your diagnosis. Isaiah 53, 5 says, by his stripes you're healed. I know a God who is working behind the scenes of your life and he loves you I wonder if you're here tonight maybe you've gotten disconnected from God we call that church world they say backslidden you kind of you were living for God but then COVID happened things happened and you're back here and you're like man I got to get reconnected I want you to know you're in the right spot you're in the right place God brought you here for that moment then there's some of you you're here tonight you've never been connected to God Maybe you went to church, maybe you hadn't been to church. But you realize I've been pursuing stuff, I've been pursuing happiness, and today I want to receive joy. Well, the first place you start is with a relationship with God, that you would surrender your life. What do you mean surrender? You confess, Jesus, be my Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead. The Bible says you will be saved. Salvation doesn't come from works. That way nobody can boast. But we're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift. But how do you receive it? We confess. And I believe there's some of you here right now. Whether it's coming back to God or whether it's coming to God for the first time, you're ready. Maybe you're watching online. That's you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. 
want you to dig deep in your heart. You know, the Bible says you're not promised tomorrow. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. That in this moment, eternity is in your heart and God's wooing on your heart. I wonder if today you would choose God. Say, God, I choose you. I choose you. That's you. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Just slip your hand up just as an act of surrender. Pastor, that's me right now. I'm surrendering all. I'm going all in. You're online, put the hand emoji up. Come on, I'm so proud of you. Church, tell them how proud. What an amazing thing. So we're going to pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Would you be my Lord? Would you be my Savior? I give you all of me in exchange for all of you. I thank you for new life right now in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Celebrate God. Would you stand to your feet, please? We're going to sing this last song really as families. So grateful for the hope that God gives us, but the key is now to go out into the world. You've got to bring the light of God everywhere you go. And some of you are going to your family, and they don't know Jesus. And you may be the only light that they see. Some of you got to work. I want to encourage you to this. Don't be sour and mad and upset. Work with the light of God. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to sing Silent Night, lighting the candles, singing it for the light of the world.